Lionel went to buy a newspaper. He set off from his home, walked down the hill, cut through the churchyard and into the centre of Penrith where he'd pick it up. There were newsagents closer, but he liked to head into town. And anyways, now it was routine. He'd head back the same way, but with one more stop. As he cut through the churchyard, he would perch on a bench and light up his pipe. He'd sit for ten minutes or so in solitude before continuing his journey home. He did this every day for twenty or so years before he left Penrith with his wife Elizabeth. They probably would have stayed longer if it weren't for events in the early 20th century. The exact date is lost to time, but Lionel, pushing 60, was on his newspaper run once more when he stopped to light up his pipe on the bench in the churchyard. I'm sure he puffed on his pipe heartily, enjoying some alone time. But he wasn't alone. Though he could have sworn he was the only one on the bench when he sat down, someone else must have snuck in, because the stranger across the seat introduced himself. I'm Bill, said the stranger. Lionel was obviously startled as Bill had seemingly appeared out of nowhere. He looked older than Lionel, worn, more haggard. It was clear he hadn't been well at some point and perhaps still wasn't. But Lionel calmed down. He had no reason to be fearful of Bill and the two started chatting. Though Bill didn't sound all that cheerful to Lionel, he did have a lot to say. They chatted for a long time, about everything. Bill was seemingly an open book. He told Lionel intimate details about his life, his first love, his first heartbreak, marriage, how him and his wife couldn't have kids, and the eventual death of his wife. Hours passed. Then. Just as Lionel was readying himself for home, Bill asked a very pointed question. Have you ever lost anyone, Lionel? Though they had delved into personal subjects, this still seemed to come out of nowhere, as if Bill wanted to ask it the whole time but couldn't muster the courage, only finding the voice when Lionel was going to leave. But Lionel re-engaged. He spoke of friends that had passed on, how he lost his parents. He obviously felt a closeness with Bill to go into things he himself, let alone anybody else, wouldn't talk about openly with a stranger. And Bill respected these boundaries. He didn't ask for any details and instead 
launched into his own story as if he'd been waiting through Lionel's answer just to get to his own. He told Lionel that while he too has had friends and family die, he has genuinely lost somebody. Lionel was confused. Did, did he mean he misplaced somebody? Well, essentially, yeah. Bill explained that decades ago his 12-year-old son disappeared without a trace. Young William had apparently left his family's farmhouse in the middle of the night and that was that. There weren't even any potential sightings. Lionel turned pale. He was obviously very shaken by Bill's story, but he would snap out of it and do the decent thing by offering Bill an apology for his very literal loss. Bill continued talking about he and his wife were blamed for the disappearance, how they were looked at differently on the street, how someone could believe that they had kidnapped or murdered their own son. He went on to detail the breakup of his marriage. In their mid-thirties, Bill and his wife couldn't take it anymore and began to live separately, her with her parents and him alone in the farmhouse. Then, there was silence. It was Bill bringing his wife back up that jogged Lionel's memory. I thought you said your wife couldn't have children. Bill was like a deer in headlights. He was deathly still, staring dead ahead. Then, without warning, he shot up and paced away as fast as he could. Lionel didn't shout after him and instead let him meander away into the Penrith wilderness of bricks and mortar. Lionel assumed he had just been at the behest of a fading mind, filled with incomplete details and overlapping facts. He didn't really give the statement a second thought. But the case of Bill's kidnapped son, William, concerned him. When Lionel got home, he asked his wife if she knew a Bill in town, and obviously there were loads. He gave a physical description, but perhaps it was a poor one, or perhaps Elizabeth was mad that a morning paper run had taken Lionel nearly four hours. Either way, his wife knew no one of that description. Lionel would ask when he was down at the pub, or when he met a friend in the street, but nobody knew this bill. He continued to sit on the same bench to light up his pipe each morning, but... Bill never re-emerged. He would inquire with locals about the disappearance Bill had brought up, going as far as asking a friend working in the local police, but apart from the facts Bill had relayed, nothing was known. 
no sign of William. Lionel wasn't driven to obsession, it was just curious. After this, he let it go. He put it down to an encounter with a man who was getting old and wasn't of sound mind. So he returned to his routine, walking down the hill, cutting through the churchyard and into town for his paper. And yes, he stopped on a bench to light up his pipe on the way home. But as they say, when you stop looking, things can jump out at you. And directly across from the bench Lionel sat on every day was a headstone. It read, William Bill Fitzgerald, beloved son, 1852 to 1865. headstone for a missing child, or for a child who had died accompanied by a story from an aging father racked with guilt over his son's death. it was, Lionel wouldn't piece that together. His imagination obviously ran away with him, as that day would be the last paper run he would ever make in Penrith. Within the year, he and his wife had packed up and shipped off down the country. It's safe to say that Lionel was spooked. But then, if the case of the kidnapped child was known to law enforcement, wouldn't Bill also be known? Nobody, including Lionel, had ever seen him before, and nobody knows what happened to him. Strange. Stranger still, the headstone isn't there anymore. That might not sound so strange, they do get removed from time to time, but the strange thing here was that it was gone within a week of Lionel seeing it. A week or so after halting his routine, he took his wife to see the stone and it had disappeared. Not a different name, just no stone at all. This was the last straw and what prompted Lionel to want out of Penrith. There was no one he could ask about the stone because now it didn't exist and he had no way of finding Bill, if he even existed in the first place. This whole story revolves around Lionel and his testimony. He was the one who talked to Bill, he was the one who saw the headstone, he was the only one dredging up the disappearance of William. Did Lionel leave because he was so racked with fear, or was it something else? Was it the beating of that hideous heart? guilt. Years later, with Lionel in his 70s and Elizabeth having passed away, he was arrested at his new home in the Midlands. The charge? 
kidnapping and torture of a young boy. In court, he pleaded guilty to everything and admitted that it wasn't his first time. While he lived in Cumbria, he had kidnapped and imprisoned multiple boys. His reason for doing so, he said, was because his wife couldn't have children. And one more fact in the case. The boys he kidnapped, they were all named William. 